Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 25 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us more about you and your love for us as we read your word. Help us receive the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Matthew chapter 25 starts with a parable about 10 virgins. Five are prepared with extra oil for their lamps and five are not. Often oil is compared to the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And if we accept this idea here in this parable, then the extra oil would mean an extra measure of the Holy Spirit within. Five of the virgins are saved by grace because of their belief in Jesus and the Holy Spirit was living within them, giving them an unlimited supply of oil. When Jesus returned, these were the ones who were saved. They lasted the darkness of the night or the darkness of this world, as it may be, and they were ready to be taken by Jesus to be his bride. The other five were not prepared for his return. Their Holy Spirit fervor burnt out and left as they traversed the darkness. In verse 13, Jesus said, watch therefore, give strict attention and be cautious and active, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. Jesus preaches preparedness for the dark times ahead. Let us lean in and seek him diligently and not let our guard down. Then Jesus tells the parables of the talent. A man called his servants together and gave them talents, money, according to their abilities. One received $5,000, another $2,000, and another $1,000. The first man immediately put his money to use and gained an additional $5,000. So did the man who received 2000 But the one who received $1,000 went and hid his money, so there would be no possibility it would be lost. When the owner came back, he was extraordinarily pleased with the men who earned double what he'd given them. But he was extremely disappointed in the one who hid his money, or his talents, as is written in the word. And he took away the $1,000 that he'd given him. Well, I have two insights here. The men who put their talents to work or their money to work were greatly rewarded and gained more. God gives each of us talents and gifts. And when we use them, we are rewarded. When we don't use the talents that he gives us, we lose them. Also, the ones who took immediate action earned double. This is an important message to us as well. We need to get into action when God tells us to move. When we do, he blesses us with more. If we don't, we will likely lose the ambition to be obedient to him and let the talent or gifting pass to another who will be obedient to him. Then Jesus tells us what will happen at the end of time when he comes back. He will separate his followers from those who didn't follow him. He defines his followers as those who serve, meaning those who helped the less fortunate, the poor, the sick, and those in prison. The ones who didn't follow him didn't serve any of these people. Let us allow the Lord to compass our hearts in the direction he asks us to go and serve those he is asking us to serve. Well, let's see what's happening in Acts chapter 25. Paul's plight continues. Festus, the governor that succeeded Felix, 
brings Paul before him to see what charges are before him, knowing he'd been left in prison for a long time. The Jewish people brought accusations against him even these two years later. Their accusations were regarding their religious law and beliefs, but were inconsequential in Festus's mind. So he asked Paul if Paul would like to go to Jerusalem to be tried there. However, Paul declined. He appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen and was granted his request. But before Festus sent him there, he brought him before a king to determine the charges. King Agrippa was interested in this case and wanted to hear Paul's testimony. So Paul was brought before him. We will see what happens as he testifies tomorrow. But what is important to notice here is that Paul is continually brought before authorities to tell the story of Christ. And it appears he is going to Rome to further the spread of the message of Christ. Well, this looks bad for Paul, but it is good for the kingdom. Let's see what's happening in our final two chapters of Genesis. In chapter 49, Jacob, Israel, is dying, and he gives his blessing upon each of his children. Well, most of them anyway. The leader of each of the 12 tribes of Israel receive a blessing or a curse. Reuben is his firstborn and should have received a double blessing. However, he slept with Jacob's concubine and lost his blessing. A double blessing should have gone to this firstborn, but as we discovered earlier, the double blessing went to Joseph. Maybe even more importantly, he lost the lineage that would have led to Christ being born from this tribe. This privilege was then granted to the tribe of Judah. Well, if you remember, Simeon and Levi were the ones who stirred up the trouble with the she Shechemites and killed all the men because the prince had raped their sister. Jacob cursed them rather than offering them a blessing. Their tribes had difficulty surviving throughout the Bible. Judah, however, received an amazing blessing, the lineage where Jesus was born from. They were also considered leaders with their obedient tribes. They were a powerful tribe called the Lion of Judah, based on Jacob's blessing right here. Remember, Judah was the one who didn't want Joseph to be killed and begged to take the place of Benjamin as a slave when Joseph deceived the brothers. This tribe would be a tribe of leaders in the future. Joseph himself is doubly blessed by Jacob. Jacob also includes God in this blessing. He says God will help him and bless him in multiple ways. In fact, his blessings will be greater than those on Abraham or Isaac. Joseph has had many trials in his life, and Jacob recompenses him here in this blessing. You can read some of the other brothers' blessing in the chapter yourself. The last thing Jacob tells his sons is to bury him in the cave in the field his father and Abraham and their wives were buried in. He died at the end of this chapter. Chapter 50 is the last chapter in Genesis. And it starts with Joseph crying over his father. There were 40 days of mourning for him. And then Joseph asked Pharaoh if he could go and bury his father. It was agreeable to him, so Joseph and his brothers went to bury their father. Afterwards, his brothers became afraid of Joseph, thinking he would turn against them because their father was gone. They never did understand the heart of their brother Joseph, even now, after all this time. They made up a story about how their father Jacob asked forgiveness for their brothers and sent a messenger to tell Joseph. We see that Joseph wept once again as he was asked for forgiveness. Joseph's heart was never hardened. His heart remained soft until he died. 
God was his strength throughout his life. He assured his brothers they were safe, and they continued to live peaceably in the land. At the end of this chapter, Joseph died at 110 years old, and his body was put in a coffin in Egypt instead of being buried with his father. Psalm 25 is one of my favorites. I have many verses underlined in this book, in this chapter. Verses 4 and 5 say, Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and faithfulness and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you, you only and altogether do I wait expectantly all the day long. Well, this is our quest as we read the Bible cover to cover. We desire to know more and more of God's ways. And our desire is met as we read his word and are taught by him day after day. Verse 11 is also underlined and says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity and my guilt, for they are great. You know, I need to be reminded to ask for forgiveness. Often, as a matter of fact, we are given it without question as we rely on our Savior to cover us. I just don't always think of it. But here we are reminded that God gives us forgiveness because of him and not because of us. It says, for his name's sake, he forgives us. And that is quite something to meditate on. Verse 14 is extra special to me. It says the secret of the sweet, satisfying companionship of the Lord have they who fear, revere, revere, and worship him. And he will show them his covenant and reveal to them its deep inner meaning. And isn't this what we desire? Lastly, verse 18 is also powerful in the Amplified Bible. And it says, behold, my affliction in my path and forgive all my sins of thinking and doing. Our thoughts need to be sanctified, don't they? And this is what the psalmist is asking for, asking God to forgive not only his sins in deed, but sins that he's thinking about. God shows his love throughout this psalmist's requests. He shows us God is faithful and can be relied on. God teaches us about his ways. Mind you, he doesn't have to, but he desires us to know him and his ways. So he teaches us here in his word. He forgives our sins, even the ones we are just thinking about. And he tells us secrets so we can find him and enjoy sweet communion with him. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for loving us so much that you make sure we have a way to learn about you. Thank you for making a way for us to enjoy sweet communion with you, Lord. May we sit in your presence for a few precious moments today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word.